You're listening to 128, a podcast about spiritual maturity, real people, real talk, real life. Hey everyone, welcome to 128, based on the scripture passage, Colossians chapter 1, verse 28. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. This is a podcast where we have conversations with spiritually mature people and unpack their spiritual journey in order to glean insights from that journey that we can apply to our own lives. Today, I have the privilege of interviewing Mick and Kim DeSanto. Uh, you're really going to enjoy this conversation. These are just some of the most wonderful godly servants uh, I've ever met. They're heroes for me. They're faithful. If I had to give a title uh, for the podcast, uh, it would be Summoned to Serve. Um, Kim gives a great insight on the difference between calling and, and being summoned. And just that idea of being willing to sacrifice in order to serve. Uh, I think you're really going to enjoy this. Uh, as we were recording, I had no idea that my microphone was actually kind of on the fritz a little bit. And so there was a lot of static at the very beginning of this podcast. Unfortunately, um, I wasn't uh, able to redeem uh, the first section of audio, which is essentially the introduction. And I introduced them as Cub fans and, uh, and give a little background for them. And so the podcast is going to pick right up from Kim's testimony. Uh, I'm also going to have to interrupt briefly to give some context to a portion because there was another section of audio uh, really in the middle of uh, the interview that I couldn't redeem in post-production. But, uh, but hopefully, uh, whenever I interject, that won't be a detraction from the conversation and the insights that you're about to hear. Again, I hope you enjoy this conversation. This is one where you may want to have a, a pen and a paper handy just to write down some of the insights here. Enjoy. And so how did you encounter Jesus? Like you'd heard about him, but what was the actual encounter with him? Yeah, so the actual encounter was for a brief period in my life from age nine, well, really it was about a year and a half, two years time, I really ventured down the wrong path. Mm -hmm. um, had some issues in my home life and my brother had recently been killed in a car accident. Oh, and sorry. yeah, so I had a lot going on as a young person. How, how um, was he when he died? He was uh, 22. 22. Yeah, he was wow. at, away at college and was killed in a car accident. And so anyway, I, I kind of got off on the wrong path and with um, not a good group of friends and so on and so forth. My parents had retired to Florida. So I, um, in desperation- Wait, wait, retiring to Florida was the dream then too? <laughs> it really was, ones? yeah, it really was. <laughs> so in desperation, I think um, my parents didn't really quite know what to do with it. I mean, it was in the 70s, so it was that kind of a crazy culture. And um, so anyway, I moved to Florida um, trying to get my life together. And my mom, out of desperation, did not know what to do with me <laughs> there to try to um, engage me um, into life again, you know, uh, uh, what she thought was a normal life. And so there was, uh, she lived in a, they lived in a condo and there was a young man who was a gardener at the condo and he looked like he was my age. And uh, so my mom, 
just saw him out there and said, hey, would you be interested in me and my daughter? Oh, she was playing matchmaker. She was playing matchmaker. Yeah. So, so he um, came to the house the next day or the, the, our, our condo, knocked on the door, met him. He said, are you interested uh, in going to a party? And uh, I said, absolutely. So we, he picked me up in a pickup with his friend and they whisked me off to this party and we got there and it was just very interesting. It was in Clearwater, Florida. And um, was a, it was the Keith Green era. So it was very, um, you know, I liked that whole vibe. I was comfortable in it, in yeah. that. There was a lot of young people there and Jesus movement, really. Now, hang on. So, so for those of you who maybe don't know, um, Keith Green was a Christian artist who uh, tragically died. I think we're actually, today's the anniversary of his death. He died in a plane crash. And uh, I had the opportunity to see Keith Green on the campus of California Baptist College CDC back then it's now CBU when I was a kid oh my, my parents goodness. were on that school and uh, were in that school and so he did a concert and I remember being out on the green and he played the Easter song hear yeah. the bells ring so uh, so when she is describing the Jesus movement there was mm -hmm. this period of time where um, there were a lot of people that were just saying look let's just go for it let's be as radical and as out there as we possibly can and let's make this thing about Jesus. And there were a lot of major worldview and existential conversations, but there was a lot of kind of bold witness. Mm -hmm. um, and um, this is really the emergence of Jesus music, Christian music. So some of you may know K-Love. Well, this is K-Love pre-K-Love really was Keith Green. And he used to give out his albums. All right, so that's my digression. Oh, that's, I apologize. Yeah. So there you yeah, are. Clearwater, Florida yeah, Clearwater. with a gardener. Uh, in a group of Jesus freaks. <laughs> yes. So we're going to this, he said, well, we're going to this party and um, we're driving in the truck and he, you know, puts the eight track in and I'm sitting there, you know, expecting to hear, you know, Emerson, Lake and Palmer or whatever. And it's Jesus music. And I'd never heard that before. Mm -hmm. And I thought, what have I got myself into here? This is weird. So anyway, went to this house, back at this house and there was a young uh, man there and they brought me in and they introduced me to him and and he said, you know, have you ever heard the gospel? Wow. And um, so he talked to me about Jesus and a personal relationship with him and confessing my sin and inviting him into my heart. And I was like, wow, yes, yes, I want to do that. I love that. And so uh, we... There was other people there, young people there, and we just held hands and uh, prayed, and they prayed with me, and I left that place, and was I left that place a changed person. The, the, the young man's name was Michael, mm -hmm. uh, and name. he drove name. me back to the condo, uh -huh. and my sister and my mom were sitting in the condo, and they were thinking, oh boy, those guys are in for... <laughs> being this Chicago girl. And I came in crying. I was like, do we have a Bible anywhere? I want to tell you. I want to tell you what happened. So that was that was how I was uh, really became born again was through that experience. That reminds me of a friend of mine who uh, lived right across the street from First Baptist Church of Florida. It was just a massive building. And he said he physically just never saw the building. And one day someone from that church uh, invited him to go to a, a 
volleyball game that was happening in the church. And he said, why would I go to a church for a volleyball game? And the person said, that's where all the pretty girls are. Mm -hmm. And so he went for the girls and wound up meeting Jesus and changed mm -hmm. his whole life. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a story you kind of hear a lot. Now, this is not a story about flirt to convert, just to be clear. Mm -hmm. um, but it is about how God can sometimes use people in unexpected ways. Yes. Right. Because you didn't know what you were walking into. Mm -hmm. And yet, isn't it also interesting how bold witness mm -hmm. becomes so important? Yes. So you mentioned the name Michael. Yes. So let me turn the focus here to the other Michael in the okay. room, who we know as <laughs> Mick. Mm -hmm. um, Who's, so it's Michael Robert DeSanto, uh, who we know as Mick, and I'm just glad it's not Mickey Bobby or something like that. But uh, Mick, what? Uh, how did you meet Jesus for the first uh, time? Mine was uh, mine was quite a, quite a few years later. Um, we were uh, we knew each other at age fourteen or fifteen, Kim and I, and uh, so we were together several of those times. Took that brief hiatus to Florida. And, and so um, you were also uh, Chicagoland. I was Chicago born and raised, yeah, okay. south suburbs. And uh, so, I mean, my whole thing is when we came back from, we spent four years in Georgia, and Kim really, her faith really grew down in Georgia. It was mm -hmm. a, a rather legalistic Baptist church down there at the time yeah. that she tried to get me to attend, and I'd have nothing to do with it, yeah. absolutely yeah. nothing to do with it. And uh, But she was uh, Wait, really... the legalists weren't attractive? No, no, okay, not, just not for me. Right. Uh, but our sons, our three sons, and my wife used to go, every, you know, every Sunday, and I'd be able to sit home and watch football all day. So it was great, you know, at that time. You got the you got the break to yeah, just enjoy sports, yeah. right? So as we came back here, um, came back to Chicago back in 1987, I think it was, and and uh, my brother who had just gone through a uh, uh, a really terrible divorce and and uh, lost his business, lost his family, lost everybody through some bad decisions on his part. Uh, and he lived in the south suburbs, and we were out here in Naperville. And my brother, as I was leaving for work, he comes alongside me on 294. And uh, I said, where are you going? You know, we're talking in the car as we're going down 294. So I'm going out to your house. I said, for what? You know, didn't call and say, he said, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, I, I want to go out and talk with you guys. So we speed home. We get here. And um, through, you know, all the time prior to that date, um, Kim was going to a Naperville Bible Church at the mm -hmm, time, mm -hmm. and uh, the guys there were just the nicest guys in the world. I played softball with them; they were just great guys. What years are these? These are uh, this is probably well. I came to know the Lord in '92, so okay. it would probably be in 1990. It takes me a while to get to know things. You know? No, it's all good. Yeah. Naperville Bible Church, of course, is the, also the name of, or the former name of Grace Point. And so, uh, wow! So you guys have been really mm -hmm. a part of our community of faith for many years. Yeah. Like Quite a few years. Kim, Kim definitely a few years longer than that. Incredible. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay, so, so 1992. Yeah, 92 is when I, yeah, I came to know the Lord, but I mean, it's through a, probably 1990 through 92. Kim introduced me to people at that Maple Bible Church, now Grace Point. Uh, the guys were just very nice, got into a small group. I'm not a believer. Everybody else is a believer. I'm wondering what's going on. And at that time, my brother and I come home, and they come here, and we sit down. At that time, that was our kitchen table, and... Um, sit down and Kim starts speaking the gospel to us. And um, wow. so, you know, and me, the chicken that I am, I said, my brother, you really believe what's going on here? You know, I mean, do you think we should do this? And sure enough, my brother, you know, he said, yeah, he said, why wouldn't we do this? Why wouldn't we do this? So uh, at our kitchen table, uh, Kim uh, spoke the gospel to us. My brother and I both accepted the Lord that same evening. Oh, my, at the same time. Same time. I got up and went to a baseball game and you sat and talked with my brother. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, it was just through. But it was through the efforts of uh, 
prayer warriors at uh, at Naperville Bible Church and uh, Kim's diligence and and just showing me the right way to do things and and that was a time that, I didn't know. What a huge moment, Kim, for you. By the way, if you're mm -hmm. hearing siren, sirens in the background, it's the house is not burning down. It's somewhere close by here. There's just some some uh, I guess it's fire trucks that are yeah, out there, but. Yeah. Uh, like Kim, that had to have been a big, big moment for you because to because you guys have, you guys have how many sons? Three, three, three boys, mm -hmm. and uh, there you are in Georgia. They're involved in church. They're mm -hmm. with mom. Um, mm -hmm. You've clearly been on this this pathway for a while, right? Growing in your journey and mm -hmm. spiritual maturity and kind of the stages in that. And now I'm guessing it's probably not the first time that you shared the gospel with Nick, right? Was that the first time or? Well, it's actually the first time I think that um, it was God's timing. Uh, yeah. There were other times I felt like I did without I mean. words. Yeah. But the actual sharing of the gospel, I think, really, that was probably the first time I think, that yeah. he was open to really to hear it. Mm -hmm. to and that's it. the key, right? Uh -huh. So you put out feelers before, and it was like, okay, yeah. he's not receptive, not receptive. But here was this moment, mm -hmm. and that's a lot of years of prayer. Mm -hmm. And so. Mm -hmm. You go to a baseball game, Nick, and you're witnessing, not witnessing, but like helping his brother figure out next steps. Yes. You must have, going to sleep that night must have been a very different, joyous, it incredible was. occasion. It was really surreal. Yeah, it wow. was rather surreal. Our boys were young and it was really sweet. They were all believers too. Our sons were all believers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And our oldest one was in junior high and the other two were in elementary. And, um, in this conversation in the kitchen, they, you know how kids are, they're in and out of the cabinets, banging <laughs> cabinets, getting something to eat, Every opportunity bags. for distraction. Yeah, right? and then every every once in a while, one would turn around and one of the boys would say, is dad getting saved? You know, because they had been praying for him and we had friends at church. It's funny, a few of the um, founding members of Grace Point would just call Mick the poster boy <laughs> because they'd all been praying for him, you know, for Christianity. But yeah, it was really, really sweet because the boys knew what was going on. And um, and Mick, was it for you? Was that change immediate? Did you sense that immediately? Because uh, yeah, yeah. I did. I did feel a change immediately. Um, I was able to, you know, uh, really patch into uh, to church. Had some real good mentors over there that would, you know, uh, disciple me. Did the famous Christianity 101. And it just seemed at the time I just. Uh, it, it was the time because I, I couldn't get enough. I couldn't get enough of the word. Uh, I couldn't get enough of being with uh, uh, other Christians. And so you know, spiritually starving is yeah. like, here we go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. here and of course, you've been elder as well at Grace Point. It's just amazing to see the kind of this journey uh, from new believer, prayed for, and then hunger, and then now mature. And Kim, for you as well, mm -hmm. right? Because that that it is a process mm -hmm. of nobody like get saved and suddenly they're by the way saved obviously uh, mm. jesus saves us mm -hmm. so that's where that term comes from mm -hmm. but when when you wake up with jesus controlling your life jesus is lord um you don't come out the gate somehow knowing everything and thinking so there's a process to this thing um i'm just curious to know how either similar or different your processes were so like typically mm -hmm. when you first come to faith this is typical. God will say, hey, listen, I want you to do this. Like, will you, will you read your Bible every day? Will you start praying? Will you, if you're a smoker, would you give up smoking? Would you, you know, it's different for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, and then comes this kind of stage where you're just like in love with God. You can't get enough worship music. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, that, you know, did you go through some of that? Or did, 
there's a, a, another area where at, uh, at Grace Point we affection called the parenting stage where you just, it's, you have this hunger for knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so you start studying everything in sight. And of course there's, uh, there's downsides, potential downsides to all three of those where people get stuck. But did you experience any of that, kind of that teachability or that I'm just in love and got the feelies and the, or just this, um, I got to memorize like as much as I can. What are this? There's 66 books. I didn't know that. There's an Old Testament. Like, where? How was your process in that? Well, my, mine is a, it's a whole lot different than Kim's. You know, I, I came in hungry. Um, I was able to uh, immediately start teaching Sunday school. Kim and I started teaching Sunday school kindergartners. We've been oh. taught them for 20 years. So here I am, a brand new Christian. Teaching. And, uh, you know, one of the associate pastors asked if we would teach Sunday school. Right. So I'm going through the stories. I've never heard them before. <laughs> it, was, it was just fantastic. But you're teaching kindergarten. Exactly. What a great way to start. And, and you know, so you talk about, you know, what a, a youngster or an infant takes in. It's just, I'm taking it all in as I'm teaching it. I'm reading it. I'm studying it, preparing. I mean, it was And you're phenomenal. having to figure out how to communicate. By the way, I think this is one of the greatest uh, moments of discipleship things I've heard in a long time. So I'm just going to camp out here for just a second because there's so many things in that. But first, um, you don't want to put a brand new believer or teaching adults or teenagers or, you know, but to say, can you teach kindergartners? It's kind of like, well, in the land of the blind, the one I'm in is king. And so I don't know much, but I think I know more than a kindergartner just in general. And then to have to prepare for it because you don't want to just show up the kindergartners and babysit. You're, you're there to teach them something. And then to have to formulate it mm-hmm. in a way that is simple, which means that not only are you having to wrestle with the stories, but you have to wrestle with the meaning. And then you have to wrestle with how to communicate it in a way that really distills it down. Like there's so many great things about there. And then 20 years of kindergartners prepared you well to be an elder. My friend. <laughs> so that's incredible. So, uh, so that was that, would you say that was that first 20 years teaching kindergartners that in process about what point did you also start jumping into other ministry? Well, immediately also, I mean, we, we were, um, I was approached by Gar Williams, yeah. you know, be, come be an usher. You know, that was early on, you know, while we were teaching, come be an usher. Uh, we served on the uh, on the deacon board, you know. Served served as deacons, Kim and I both. So the power of service. Yeah, and, and we love yeah. You're and giving yourself away. Your posture is and you, and you and you're with other people, and you have the fellowship. You see what the, what they've got, gone through, what they've done. They share with you. Yeah. In terms of asking questions along the way, do you feel freedom there to go? Oh, hey, listen. Always. Did you ever think about this? Or because people get embarrassed, right? They're like, hey, listen. Um, I know I've been here for a few years, but can I just ask a basic question? You know, it's yeah, never really felt intimidated. They were always just so mm-hmm. kind and generous with information. And Kim, he said your process was a little different. Oh. Yeah, mine was a little different. But I will say that when Mick became a Christian, um, he was he worked for a Christian company, wonderful Christian company. Oh. But before he was a Christian, he really didn't communicate with any others from the company he was at. And then... Once he became a believer, like a day or two afterwards, he came home from work and he said, the Christians are coming out of the woodwork. <laughs> They're, They're everywhere. everywhere. You know, and it's just Never so precious that God takes you one-on-one. He invites you to know him, surrender to him. And then he said, here's your family. And you open the door and it's discovering. it was amazing. Um, and I will say for on his behalf, 
too, which was amazing, a blessing, is he started a prayer group at, at the company that he worked for. And the president of the company, um, very elderly man, um, knew about the, um, the prayer uh, the prayer team that he put together. So that was amazing. Yeah. yeah what was, a fantastic thing. Already witnessing at work. And, yeah. you know, you reminded me, I mentioned earlier my uh, the story of my friend who was at a volleyball game. Mm-hmm. He said when he walked out, uh, not only one, did he start believing his friends when they said all the pretty girls were there, but two, that after he gave his life to Jesus, he said, everywhere I looked, I saw churches all of a sudden. Okay. There were all these huge buildings that I didn't know existed. <laughs> and suddenly they were everywhere. Yeah. So what about you, yeah. in terms of your process? Because now you're in clear water. Yeah. You come to faith. Yeah. Give me a Bible. Yes. And um, the Michael, who yeah. I saw one time after that, um, after he led me, he didn't lead me, but brought me to that home. He said two things to me. He said, and it was very interesting, because I only stayed in Florida another year and then got back together with Mick because um, we had broken up at that time. And two things he said, he's, he said, you need to read your Bible and you need to get involved in a church. Mm-hmm. That, that I took that away. I had all kinds of questions uh, for him about the Lord and we talked, but that's what I took away were those two things. So, so, so uh, yeah. you walked away, oh, yes. got back together with Nick. Yeah. And then did you, how soon after that did you move to Georgia? We moved to Georgia in 84. We got married in, 80, uh, in 77. Okay. Yeah. So, so seven years before going down to Georgia. Yes. And so when when um, we were in Georgia, that's when I was going to this little independent church, and I was soaking it up, like you said. Was that I your couldn't first get church or your second church? That was my first church okay, got mm-hmm, it. in Georgia. So it took and, a little bit. You kind of came back, yes. got married, and then you were kind of processing mm-hmm. through. The typical, I knew I was going to heaven. Yeah. I knew that. But the Lord, it was... A place where he really showed me that it is now time. Yeah. To and the move kind of prompted prompted that definitely, definitely. So yeah. So then, um, so I had learned a lot. The the preacher at the little independent Baptist church, I learned a lot from him from his, his sermons. So then, when we moved back here and I got involved in Grace Point, um. So I had done, what I had learned was my own reading and from this pastor, the teaching from the pulpit. Then when we moved here, I needed to get involved. I knew I needed Christian friends moving here. And I got to Grace Point, well, Naperville Bible, and a few of the girls, there was um, a class called Beloved Unbeliever that was led at Grace, at uh, Naperville Bible. And I felt like this is before. Oh, wait, Naperville Bible is Grace Point. You can call it Grace Point. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Darren. No worries. You don't have to correct. You're all good. Okay. Yeah. So I wanted to fit in, and he wasn't a believer at the time. The class was called what again? Beloved Unbeliever. Beloved Unbeliever. It was a book. That's a cool title. Yes. And um, she is now with the Lord, the author of the book. Can't think of her name. But at the time, this was a very popular book. And there were a few women there at Grace Point whose husbands, you know, came to faith after them. I got involved with this group of women, Pat Green and Carol Carson and Darla Stone. They were all part of Grace Point. And um, anyway, uh, I thought they said, you got to come to a retreat. We're having a, a retreat. And I said, oh, this is great. I'm going to meet some Christian friends here, right? So I go to the retreat. And on the retreat, these girls are working on a Bible lesson, Bible study. 
And I thought, boy, this must be a good Bible study if we're on a retreat and you're working on your lesson. And they said, we all, we go to this um, Bible study called um, BSF, Bible Study Fellowship. And I said, well, I'd be interested in that. And so they said, well, just so happens there's an introduction class, which we called back in the day. Now it's the welcome. But anyway, I went to that and that's how I got involved in more of a um, expository structured structured inductive bible study verse by verse book by book so that's how that's how i grew in god's word was through that Mm -hmm. and i know you've not only served but led Mm -hmm. dsf for many years and just Mm -hmm. recently recently i retired retired. yeah just a few months ago yeah Mm -hmm. this year yeah um fantastic um so loads of questions uh when it comes to this the first is so you're, you're both growing in knowledge, right? But you're also surrounded in this community, so you have to apply the knowledge that you're learning. There's, at, and then there's this kind of grace part of it where you learn that grace moves, that you have to keep somebody else accountable. Like that has to be learned too, right? Do you remember the first time that you were like, I'm gonna keep you account, like you're asking me to keep you accountable or you're asking me to help you in this? It's okay if you don't. I just was curious if there was something in there. And then how do you think you avoided legalism because a lot of people they soak up knowledge and they turn into i think to use uh mickey bobby's words um a legalistic sorry i'm just going to milk that as long as it's worth um but uh to use mixed words you know a legalistic a more legalistic culture how did you guys manage to avoid the becoming legalistic um in the knowledge of god and i think i think we probably uh early on we may have become more legalistic than we were really uh, planning on, you know, there's such a turnaround in our lives from mm-hmm. from once we came mm-hmm. to what we're looking at. Kim, would, I mean, her, in BSF, she, I mean, she's just remarkable. I mean, she spent almost 30 years with them and just the transformation in our family, uh, amongst our, our kids and their friends and all that. But it, it, the legalistic part was just, you know, what do you do? What do you don't do? We had, we had no idea, right? We had yeah. no idea how, how to proceed. And that's when we got uh, associated with a small group of people. And uh, just dear friends that are uh, mature Christians at the time, um, Kim and the, and the ladies, me and the guys, we lived life together for almost 25 years, I think. Mm-hmm. And it was just step by step. And these guys, you know, uh, breathing into me, um, me sharing with them, and, and Kim the same way. It was just, it was remarkable. Did you have the kind of relationship where they could have said, hey, listen, we think you're getting a little too, you're not thinking about this, a little more grace here? or Oh, I would think, yeah. Because I mean, that's so key to have someone who's also mature, but is also willing to invest in you and kind of bring you forward. Because you learn that, right? And it's also modeled. And so mm-hmm. was that, because uh, you you know, it's interesting. I remember in my own journey also, there was a season where I skewed toward legalism, right? You think you just know you've got it all worked oh, out yeah. and you're just going to hand out your prescriptions to as many people as possible. And at the same time, when you kind of grow, you in some ways dig deeper into the truths, but you hold on looser to your need uh, to um, play maybe the role of Holy Spirit Junior in someone else's life. Yeah, there's a fine balance, right? There's yeah, you learn the nuance between being spoken through, like him using you, and then you trying to manipulate something. Which Kim, it sounds like you may have had maybe unknowingly or maybe knowingly experience with, because for many years mm-hmm. you were really kind of listening to the Holy Spirit trying to figure out what's the moment or opportunity to share the gospel in a clear way with Nick. And so you were already kind of, do you feel like you were already 
trained to be in tune for that, to avoid legalism in that way? Or Oh, that's interesting, uh, Derek. I think that's just would be a great conversation about that, too, another time. <laughs> but um, I think it was also during that time evangelicalism. Um, you didn't really feel as legalistic because that's just kind of way things were a little more conservative. That was how we grew. But I could see that the more people that I got involved in, in Bible study or involved with, I should say, the more I realized we're all so different. Mm -hmm. And the more I realized that the more transparent people would become, the more identifiable mm -hmm. and endearing to me because of my past, you know? So I think the Lord graciously knew our motives was we wanted to do good, you know? But what we found out was the freedom is really to journey together, to be open, to be transparent. And we learned that from our own kids. And I think God was preparing us now to um, just to be loving, ex accepting, grace and truth and journeying together so yeah. Amit, what about you like how did you experience some of that transparency a little harder for guys typically well you know like i said though i mean my whole thing was you know i mean through service you know serving the church uh through the fellowship of, of other guys that's really where i i really got uh, just the basic needs that i was looking for At this point, I asked Mick and Kim about the dark night of the soul or those moments of crisis where you feel like you're praying and God isn't answering or, or you feel like it's just a particularly hard time and how they cope with that. Uh, Mick, uh, his response was, uh, in terms of uh, the classic dark night, he really hadn't experienced that. He'd been very blessed to have a very, very consistent growth pattern in his walk without very much absence or moments where he recalls feeling as if God was absent from his life. And so we're going to pick up the interview with Kim's response to that question of the dark night. Yeah, I have. I have. Um... I would say what really got me through a couple things. Um, often it would have to do with just the heaviness of maybe extended family relationships, my own sons and the path that they were on and struggling through like, oh Lord, what's gonna happen here? Yeah. Um, I'm, you know, I'm brokenhearted over this or, it, so those kind of, um, dark nights and crises and i will say going through that what really helped me was to express it to the lord out loud mm. honestly mm. prayer walking yeah. talking it's very easy now because people don't look at you funny when you're walking and talking That's right it. well now you can Today. even a mask on and yeah. nobody would think anything right but i would get up early in the morning and just it was like i have to have this talk with the lord because I'm just like bursting, you know, yeah. and, um, and it was these conversations that I would have with God. And that is how he ministered to me mm -hmm. because he listened to me. He listened to me. And, um, the more I talked with him, the more I felt, you know, it's like the opposite of people who don't understand you perfectly or they're bored with what you're saying. You know, and they know you only, but the Lord is like, tell me more, tell me more. That's how I felt. So that was something I got over. And frankly, Derek, um, being in community and serving and not isolating myself, 
Now I'm a protective person of family. I'm not real open. I'm very careful about yeah. some things. Mm-hmm. Um, however, um, I think being in ministry to what God's called you to do was a way to step-by-step get on with this crisis and see God work. Mm. So I think it's very, very important that whatever, you know, whatever God has you in, that doesn't mean that you have to leave everything because you're in a crisis. It doesn't mean that because that isolation is not good. He ministers in the work. Yeah, sometimes sometimes people come up with a fix for the storm Mm -hmm. that God didn't really ever intend. And so what happens is they actually do more damage. They they actually wind up staying in a storm longer mm-hmm. because God's like, well, if you if you'd stayed still, or if you just kept following me forward, understand that I'm moving clouds above you, and you can't just because you can't see the wind blowing up above you doesn't mean the clouds aren't moving. So you know I, that's a great insight. The other insight there is just um, you you talked about that he was listening. And mm-hmm. he understood. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny when you say that, I my heart just totally resonates. And immediately I also thought, how often have I been the one telling God, I bet you're bored with this? And God going, no, that's mm-hmm. all on you. Mm-hmm. Like, I keep thinking, it's funny because we make excuses for ourselves. Like, yeah, God, you're probably hearing this one again. Like, here I am mm-hmm. again with this like same request, with this thing in me, and I'm saying sorry again. Please forgive me for that thing again. Mm-hmm. And it's the again part. And so we tend to go, like, surely he doesn't want to hear this again. Like, he heard it five yeah. days in a row. But God, you know, this was Chester, G.K. Chesterton was a prominent Christian author. Mm-hmm. And he made the point that what if God actually delights in causing the sun to rise every morning? Like a child delights in repetition. Mm-hmm. You know, do it again, catch me again, do it again. What if God actually finds that same kind of delight? And hearing us come to him again and again and again. That's such mm-hmm. a, um, a mature um, perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me ask you guys this, because uh, you are not people to be complacent. Um, and uh, the, the, the challenge that I face, and that I think many face who are spiritually mature, is, okay, you've been through it. It's, some of those phases aren't all consuming anymore. You don't live for the tinglies, or you're not kind of, you have Bible knowledge and perspective and you have grace and you've kind of been through it all. And you may revisit some of those things. God's going, I want to reteach you about what it is to love me first. I want you to, we kind of go through some of that. But the bigger challenge is I find that the call toward comfort actually is one of those devices that, that Satan tends to use. So I, I find that conversations, at least from Melissa and I, we have conversations, it's about are we, are we not allowing God to really challenge us enough? Are we being too comfortable in this? Are we saying, well, God, this is my schedule. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think you understand. I, I earned the right to sleep till, you know, point at my watch. And the, uh, do you find the same or do you find that that's not the case for you? That actually it's not a struggle with comfort. Like, where do you find the biggest challenge now that you are mature? And um, you guys have poured into others for so long, right? You've got, been on this kind of great path of growth for so long, it, like where is where is it for you? That's really something that we have to we we considered. You know, I've been retired now for five years. Kim is just coming off of of, of um, thirty years in BSF, and that's something that we we, we struggle with. We do we enjoy uh, traveling now, yeah. which is which is great. We never were able to do that, um, and you guys are good at it. Yeah, we, we try good. we try to be. 
and but I mean, you know, some of the some of the challenges I think we have in in that we're home more than we ever had, especially now, right during uh, COVID. But I mean, we've really taken a uh, an interest in neighbors, yeah. and that's something that we've always been able to do, or always, you know, because of the change in neighborhoods, just seeing what's going on. Young families, we're like uh, Kim always says, we're like invisible. You know, at our age, we're invisible. You got the young families, growing kids. We're not plugged in. There's no natural excuse. Oh, right. your son's doing this. Exactly. Son's doing that. Exactly. So I mean, dogs are good. Dogs. Somebody's got dogs. a dog. Oh, Melissa used dogs like crazy. <laughs> She's trying to use dogs. Huh? You know what's so funny? It's funny she said because on the mission field, I would get young families that would come over. And now I'm on the mission field now, but I mean overseas when we're overseas. Um, we get these young families come over, and the, uh, a lot of wives would go, "I don't feel like I can be on mission because I've got these kids." And, uh, and we would go, you don't know it, but they are the greatest excuses in the world for connecting mm -hmm. with people and being on a mission. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think once they're removed, you go, oh, this is a bigger challenge mm -hmm. to connect in other ways than I, we imagined. Yeah. Uh, by the way, just to clarify a comment earlier, when I say you're good at travel, what I mean is you're very good. Some people, they, um, they have the opportunity to travel and they disappear. Life becomes about them and their next travel experience. And what I mean by good at travel is you don't confuse the travel with the faithfulness. Um, you're still very much involved in a part of God's church, very much involved with the kingdom. You don't put it on the side. And so you've managed to figure out a way to, to see things and be a part of places and be with people and yet still be incredibly faithful um, just as followers and believers. So yeah, so that, what a great opportunity though like the conversations you must be having about, okay, how can we do this, right? Like, yeah. They're and all it, mission conversations. Yes, for sure. And it, it is more challenging the more time you have, the more comfort you have, than when you are involved in a ministry. It's like, I've got to fit this in. Um, you know, one of the things I was telling Mick, uh, it was a statement that was made, and I just believe that with my whole heart, that the invitation, the calling, the invitation from Jesus to serve is really a summons. It is. it is a summons. And I just always felt that way. And even in the midst, because our home was never going, well, at least not for many years, become not busy and not little crises and not little, it was always going to be that way. Mm. So I, I, I don't know. I just felt like we were always like, we're going to just follow the Lord. And he ended up, as we see, God used that following in the ministry, mm -hmm. in ministering to us. Mm -hmm. You know, so I don't know. That was just that. always something. The invitation that stuck is a summons. Me. Yeah. That's such a great, great word. Yeah. All right. So if you guys, uh, you, you know, uh, if you could give a tip or two to people who are going through this process, and there are parts of the spiritual maturity process that feel, as you know, endless, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you feel. Sometimes you feel like you can get stuck in uh, a cycle and some people do get stuck. They don't want to deal with the thing God is telling them to deal with. They don't want to uh, dig into the word all that much. They're, they, uh, maybe they don't, they don't even like singing. So, you know, worship, like they're not interested in that. Or they like to judge or they just choose apathy. Um, and then some just don't want to deal with that character issue because it's too painful. Um, what is it, what would you say is like, is there a tip that you could give or a piece of advice you could give for those listening? I was uh, I was thinking about that prior to, prior to our conversation here. And I'm looking at the tripod here, you know, and everybody talks about the three-legged stool and all that. 
I'm, I'm really more of a four-legged guy. You know, I like the real, real stability. You know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, the four things that I base it on are, are service, yep. fellowship, the word, and prayer. Service, Those. fellowship, the word, and prayer. Yeah, I mean that just keeps me. It keeps me grounded. It keeps me interested, and it keeps me uh, involved. Oh, that's awesome. So giving your life away, being connected with others, service, fellowship, the word, the word, stay connected to God's word and stay connected to God, right? Really talk to God. Kim, how about you? Wow. Like, right? (laughs) Well, totally. Yeah, totally agree. He's so black and white. You know, he is. He just knows that. Yeah, he's just, this is the way it is, which is a nice compliment for us because I'm, I'm not so much that way. Um, so I would say again, that conversation with God Mm. is just so important. Um, you know, as your Lord, first of all, as your heavenly father, whose ways are always higher Mm. than your ways, always. So no matter what, when I come to the Lord and it's so the word of course, and those promises, you know, people say, well, talk to yourself you know, self-talk. No, preach to yourself those Mm. things, you know, like God's ways are higher than our sovereign Lord. You've made the heaven and the earth with your outstretched stretch, you know, with your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. So I would say, you know, loving God's word, but then putting them into that has really helped me preach to myself what those truths are. I, I love that the Lord just, you know, Jesus told a parable, pray, never give up. Oh, thank you for that. Mm. Okay, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to pray. And obviously there's ups and downs, but, you know, God has the last word in your life. And it's just time with him, like Mick said, in those ways. And friends, fellowship. It's Mm. so important. Um, And, you know, what I've learned, too, because I have a tendency, I can be critical. I can be short, you know, um, those type of things. issues that I deal with. And I have to remember, you know, assume the best motives Mm -hmm. in that relationship. And um, um, there was that one I was telling you that is really good. Oh, we seem to judge ourselves by our best motives, but we judge others by their weakest moments. Mm. So it's like, okay, Mm. those are the things that as far as that maturing process and tips is, you know, grab hold of those and continue those conversations with the Lord and obviously feeding yourself, feeding, feeding, feeding with the word. Well, yes. that, it's just so, so powerful. And, and it's interesting you guys uh, touched on the same things, but, but from different perspectives. And um, I love, the, you know, the more scripture you know, the more ammunition God has and the Holy Spirit has to recall it to your mind in moments where it's hard to get to a Bible quick, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I love that idea of preaching to yourself. And I love the idea that the Holy Spirit can also uh, use his word to bring it to your mind. But all of it is contextualized in this relationship with God. Mm-hmm. But it's a very specific kind of relationship. And you both said it in different ways, which is he is the final word. Mm-hmm. He's the Lord. He's And so that term Lord, so you're in a relationship, but it's not a buddy-buddy thing. It's a... I come under you, and yet look how gracious God is to make that a loving, exciting, mm-hmm. passionate time where it's not about the religion that's driving it. It's just, it's a relationship. So breathe, mm-hmm. right? breathe in and breathe out and it'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Hey, I just want to say, 
thank you both, honestly. Uh, thank you for, I know you're wrapping up your elder term, um, and you've been an elder multiple times. And uh, for those who don't know, at uh, Grace Point, we have a one-two-two system, but basically it's a five-year commitment as an elder, and Mick has re-upped several times, and 30 years of BSF, 30 years of pouring your life into other women, 30 years of influence at Grace Point and at Neighborville Bible, and just loving other people. I have directed people Kim's way to go, you need to go speak with her and be mentored by her. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have come back to me going, oh my goodness, I what an incredible resource. So I just want to say thank you guys for your faithfulness. Thanks for not phoning it in um, and for continuing to set a high bar. You know, uh, you mentioned some names earlier about that group, uh, Beloved. Uh, beloved Unbeliever. Beloved Unbeliever. Mm-hmm. And you just rattled off some names from Neighborville Bible and just some. None of which are even at the church now. Right. They've moved. They've all One moved. is with, 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 with the Lord today. And yeah. But my thought is just, you know, there are certain people that you look at and you go, Oh, you've set a bar that I'm going to follow, mm-hmm. you know, and I just want to let you guys know, people look at you that way. You know, they're going, boy, if I can set a bar like making Kim, if I can somehow leave a legacy of influence the way they've left a legacy with me. Um, and so I just want to say thank you for that. Thank you for your faithfulness. All right. Thank you guys so, so much for tuning in. And uh, thank you guys for being part of Thank you, Derek. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Mick and Kim DeSanto. Again, just really amazing, amazing believers. Uh, after we finished our conversation and I shut down my laptop, we had a whole subsequent conversation on service and sacrifice and priorities. And I remember several times throughout that conversation saying, oh, I wish I had this recorded because it was so rich and so good. Uh, again, apologies for having, having to cut out the very beginning of my interview with them and then having to interject in the middle. Hopefully that wasn't too much of a detraction and you were able to walk away with some insights to apply to your own life. In the meantime, and until next time, keep growing.